listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheParkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And Jackson, I don't know, but I think the Bulldogs just scored again. <laughs> After watching that last game, it just seemed like the once the Bulldogs got comfortable, they were able to just move the ball at will and, and do whatever they wanted against the Cal Poly. Isn't that the the kind of feeling you were picking up on them, they were just kind of toying with them towards the end? Yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a, a slow start again, but, man, once they got going, they sure did. And I think the thing that encapsulated that most, uh, uh, they scored on one quick touchdown, and I was running down the, the sideline to, to try to capture it on my camera. And uh, right before they score, I looked down, and, man, there's Josh Kelly wreathing in, in pain on the, the turf on the sideline. He almost didn't get noticed there. It's kind of in the, the mix of, staff members and stuff and he goes in the blue tent and about five minutes later Fresno State has the ball and they pitch it to Jalen Cropper and he throws it to Josh Kelly for a 51-yard touchdown. I was like, wasn't this guy, I I thought he was going to be out for quite some time just a few minutes ago and he just just left all the Mustangs in the dust there on that touchdown. So yeah, once they got going, it was, uh, they looked about unstoppable. I think they scored eight straight touchdown drives offensively and you look at the play count and um, almost all of those drives were under five plays so they they made quick work uh, on offense once they got going and the defense deserves a lot of credit as well because the only touchdown they gave up came out came off of uh, Ronnie Rivers uh, fumble there inside the five yard line on the the punt return so I mean almost a, a perfect game you can nitpick here and there and it's more justified against the Cal Poly because you should play his close to perfect as you can but uh yeah i mean the bulldogs through three games now you feel like you see some some common themes and a lot of good stuff from them and, and not a lot of bad yeah things uh things were looking pretty good for the bulldogs once they settled in the first few uh, first uh, i believe it was the first three drives where the bulldogs were just struggling it was kind of a combination the Bulldogs were anxious to get things going, and Cal Poly was fired up to be in town and trying to hold the Bulldogs. <laughs> so uh, a lot of players came in with a chip on their shoulder. They um, on the sidelines, you can tell that they were they were just fired up to be there. Uh, but once the Bulldogs scored once, you could instantaneously feel that mood change on that Cal Poly bench um, as they were kind of already starting to brace for what was coming. Uh, do you do you feel like the that was the case with Cal Poly once the Bulldogs scored? It was kind of like, uh oh, here they come. Yeah, I mean they definitely got rolling from that point on, and it's kind of a, a common deal with the UConn game just two weeks before, where the Bulldogs started off slow and uh, Jake Hayner hit Josh Kelly for a pretty big gain, and they scored a couple of plays later, and, and then they scored. It seemed like it just about every drive after that as well. Uh, they've uh, they've hit some kind of a slow start in both of those games, and they've uh, found a way to overcome it a little bit. And you know, even against Oregon as well, um, more so turnovers than not finding a sink on offense. But uh, it did take the dogs a little while. They, they didn't score their first touchdown until right before halftime against the Ducks. So um, yeah, the slow starts. Uh, you know, you'll be a little bit 
concerned about them, but it does seem like once they hit that one momentum-building play, uh, it's pretty much all good from there. Yeah, it it it, it did turn out to be uh, a fun game to watch as the Bulldogs got settled in. As you can see, that they they ended up doing uh, a trick play with Cropper throwing that pass for a touchdown. <laughs> Uh, kind of, it, it kind of left me kind of, uh, surprised as well as I, I started focusing in on copper and all of a sudden I see him cock his arm back for a pass. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Here it goes. And right to a wide open wide receiver. I mean, it, it couldn't have been designed any better. Um, and so you could tell that the bulldogs were out there just having fun and, and uh, I don't know, Jackson, it's refreshing to see that heading into a, a game coming up against UCLA, the, the Bulldogs seem to be relaxed at the moment. Right, Jackson? Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, they're, they're not overly anxious. They're not overly hyped. And they've got some confidence in them uh, from that Oregon uh, loss, which is, you know, it's always tough to, to build confidence in a loss. But they know those three turnovers basically cost them the game. And had they not turned the ball over, they probably would have won that game. And uh, then even Jalen Crapper told us after the Cal Poly win that a lot of those guys were together in the morning watching Oregon beat Ohio State, knowing that they could have just beaten the team that beat the, uh, the top five Ohio State team and is now number four themselves where the Ducks sit now after that big win on the road. So, I mean, they have all the confidence in the world that they can go to uh, UCLA and win that game. And They've also been humbled a little bit that they know they can't make the mistakes that uh, could cost them the game. So uh, I think the team's in a good place. It's just about what happens after this game to make sure that continues because, uh, you know, you always get concerned if you win a game against the number 13 UCLA this weekend. You get maybe a little big-headed going into conference play, or if you lose, and uh, will it be tough to recover from two close losses against uh, games that would have been you know huge wins for the program but come up short? So. There's going to be a lot of the uh, uh, mental gymnastics to go through after this game. But going in, I think they're in a really good spot. And I don't think it's going to be anything to do with intangibles for Fresno State if they don't beat UCLA. Uh, it's going to come down to uh, just ta- overall talent and schemes and matchups. And uh, Fresno State should be well-equipped for this one. Now, one of the good things that came out of this game, uh, you got Jake Hayner uh, really came into his own and, and, and broke out during this game, allowing him to be pulled later on in that game to bring in uh, Jalen Henderson uh, and give him some playing time. How important was that for Henderson uh, in his development here as a Bulldog? Yeah, that was big because um, it does seem like he's kind of pulling away with the, the backup job. Uh, the first week, Logan Fife was the number two quarterback, and we saw him enter the game when Jay Kaner got hurt. And uh, since then, it seems like Henderson's kind of made his push. And we saw him uh, run the ball quite a bit. Uh, he ran the ball nine times for 62 yards and even had a 40-yard run as a quarterback. Uh, so we saw what he could do with his legs. Uh, he also passed the ball, completed four or six passes for 44 yards. So not just getting into the game, but uh, getting some valuable experience, I think was, you know, he wasn't just handing the ball off like the coaches. They they didn't want to burn a red shirt game. Him just handing the ball off. He actually got to run the offense and throw some passes. And the critical thing is if, you know, knock on wood, if anything were to happen to Jake Hayner uh, in a game like UCLA or just about any game this season and someone has to step in, 
Uh, now Henderson and Fife both have some experience, and uh, they should be, you know, still going to be a drop off, as you would imagine, but uh, they'll be more ready than uh, they would be otherwise. And for a, a true freshman like Henderson, who's only been on campus for a few months, uh, that's even a, a greater deal for him. Now, he wasn't the only one, uh, the only player to actually see some time because of the blowout. Uh, it essentially gave a lot of uh, Bulldogs that you would not normally see in a game actually step out on the field and get some valuable playing time. What are some of the other uh, uh, people, some of the other faces that you saw um, on the field that that got some extra playing time? Yeah, I mean, some of the amazing thing about that is you look in the third quarter and Hainer's off the field and Ronnie Rivers is off the field and you still have players like Jordan Mims and Amorie Edwards who are pretty accomplished Bulldogs uh, from some of their previous seasons and they're quote-unquote backups. I mean, Mims plays quite a bit during the game and Edwards is working his way back from injury, but man, it's hard to remember many Fresno State teams that have had those kind of options and late in games and pull-out victories. Uh, but definitely some new faces that, that got in a little bit later in the game, too. Uh, one of the more impressive ones was uh, Julius Lewis, defensive tackle from Modesto. Uh, he got in there and made a tackle in his first game. I mean, he is just a a massive guy at about six five, two sixty or so. He's gonna. They're gonna hope to put some more weight on him as a defensive tackle. But um, right now, even he's showing a lot of flashes. And Coach DeBoer mentioned after the game that he had been the scout team player of the week on defense back to back week. So these are the kind of opportunities you like to see those guys be um, rewarded. Um, you also had uh, Christian Gordon, the uh, junior college transfer safety, and. Um, even a player from the track team who has walked on to the football team, Charles Rimlinger, a defensive end. Both of those guys made their first appearances and made tackles. But you know, along with Lewis, uh, when you're talking about potential starters down the road, uh, another one was offensive tackle Braylon Nelson, who got the uh, left tackle reps when they brought in the second team offensive line, uh, a true freshman who got his first game experience. And uh, they really think uh, very highly of his future here at Fresno State. He was a, uh, a pretty highly ranked three-star uh, recruit in this previous class from Colorado. And so you look at Nelson, you look at uh, Lewis, a guy like Henderson, uh, some other freshmen that have already played like um, Kale Sanders and Amari Pate and Zeke Branham. All those guys have gotten some pretty significant playing time. You kind of see the core of the future uh, building for this program. And it's they're going to have a little more time to develop at the super senior that are going to be staying each year for the next couple of years as well. So the Bulldogs are, are definitely building depth, and uh, you see some flashes from some of those young guys. Yeah, the, they are definitely getting some valuable playing time because, as everybody knows, um, the redshirt uh, rules allow players to play up to four games uh, max bef- and still be able to redshirt uh, during a season. And the types of games you kind of want to get them to get their feet wet are, are exactly these, right, Jackson, where it, you, you're you able to get out there, do what you need to do. However, it's not in a, in a, a, in a critical junction in a game where, where it, it could affect the player's uh, uh, mentality if it's up against, say, a Pac-12 team. <laughs> where the, the competition is a, a you know a little higher, so to speak. So these kinds of reps are really important for them, right, Jackson? 
Yeah, and it's especially important that they've been able to build such early leads against UConn and Cal Poly because, you know, if you're at a point, you know, five, ten minutes left in the fourth quarter and you put some of these guys in, it looks a little ugly if you're still throwing the ball around and actually running your schemes the way that they're designed. Uh, so a lot of these guys have been able to get in in the third quarter and actually do some things to gain some valuable experience and not just take up space and run the clock for a few minutes. Uh, so, I mean, as mentioned, those three defensive guys that all got in the game for the first time all have made a tackle. So uh, they're, they're getting some valuable experience and it's in a kind of a low pressure situation. And uh, in some cases, they've played some similar players on the other teams. So you have guys that are hungry, uh, even though the score would indicate that the game was about over. Yeah, so it it was, uh, it, you know, it's good for the those players. However, the players that were on the field uh, for the mo- majority of the game, they 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 did their thing. And Jake Hayner again comes out on top for over three hundred yards passing. I believe it was like three eighty or something like that, Jackson. Um, and he continues to show that he is probably one of the best quarterbacks out in college football at the moment. Do you tend to agree, Jackson? Yeah, and it's um, yeah, he did go for 380 and four touchdowns. He completed 17 or 22 passes. I think it's a combination of Hayner's arm and just kind of a, the ability to be mobile enough to get around behind the line of scrimmage and, and set up some passes when needed. And then the receivers that he has are, are top-notch. So it's got to be one of the best the, the group of five has to offer, and I think they would compete side-by-side with a lot of Pac-12 receiving units. So, I mean, this offense between Hayner and his receiving targets, I mean, are are well-stacked for him to put up some huge numbers. Um, You know, when you look at just pure passing yards, he's uh, first in the nation, but he's one of only a couple of quarterbacks that has actually played three games, so that's not quite fair. But when you look at yards per game, uh, he's right there at number five nationally. So uh, definitely one of the most productive passers in the country, and you know, the running game hasn't been quite as strong yet this season, so it's been a little bit necessary for him to put up those kinds of numbers too. Yeah, so yeah, I was about to say that as my next question is uh, how we know that the the Bulldogs' offense is clicking on all cylinders when it comes to the passing game, but what do you think is the the issue going on right now with the running game? Uh, there's not been very many wide open lanes for. Uh, uh, Ronnie Rivers to, to get through. What, what do you think is going on right now? Uh, I think a lot of it is opposing defenses. I mean, they know Ronnie, what he can do, and I think a lot of teams have keyed in on that. I think you even see not just running the ball, but when they go from Ronnie to, to Jordan Mims, Mims has actually had a couple of the, the long runs that the Fresno State's actually been able to pull off in the first three games. So I think you see a lot of defenses so far that have keyed in on the running game and kind of dared Jake Hayner to beat uh, the defense with his passing ability, which he has very successfully done. So um, yeah, I think it's about making the Bulldogs one-dimensional, and Fresno State has enough firepower on offense in the passing game to where it hasn't been a problem yet. Uh, I think when Hayner was slowing down a little bit at Oregon and the Bulldogs had to pass the ball, definitely against the Ducks late in the game, we saw it, it, it kind of crumbled there, but Otherwise, uh, when they know they need to pass and the focus has been on the pass, it's still been successful. Um, so I think eventually you'll see some defenses kind of uh, temper that maybe and, and try to play balance. But 
Um, until then, I think Fresno State's going to be happy to, to take what they're getting through the air. Yeah, it's uh, it, as long as what's going to happen uh, is with the Bulldogs having a lot of success on the pass, uh, you think later on in the season things are going to start to to open up for the run game. So it's it's going to it's eventually going to balance itself out during the season um, as teams start to try and key in on stopping the pass. Uh, then that's just going to open up things more for Ronnie Rivers and the run game. Uh, for the Bulldogs. Um, so, so that being said, Jackson, I, I think we've pretty much nailed this one. There's, I mean, if we want to talk about all the scores being done on, on uh, against Cal Poly, we can. But most people want to hear about the matchup coming up this weekend, and that's Fresno State heading down to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA. Um, is... Now, the Bulldogs took on UCLA a few years back and came out victorious. This this should be a little bit different of a game, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, the, the 2018 UCLA team was not a great one for the Bruins at the end of the year. I mean, you're still looking at a roster that just about every position is supposed to be much better than the Fresno State, the way that they recruit. But at the end of the day, the Bulldogs were just a, a much better team and uh, they didn't just win that game. They they really dominated towards the second half and won that one thirty eight to, to fourteen. And so, even looking back at, at two thousand and eight, when Fresno State went to the Rose Bowl Stadium and won that game too against UCLA, again a, a pretty good Fresno State team and a, a UCLA team that finished with a losing record. And we we kind of had a hunch that this UCLA team this year was going to be more of a challenge. Um, at the same time, you got a Fresno State team that is, again, one of the better Bulldog teams and should be able to compete either way. But the Bruins have certainly proved the first two weeks that they're a lot better than they have been in years past. They just ran right over Hawaii 44-10 to in Week 0. And then they beat uh, LSU, who was ranked number 16, by a score of 38-27. to And really, it uh, might not have been even as close as the, the score says. They really set the tone and, and controlled that game and then they had a bye week to get ready for the Bulldogs. So, and this is a, a UCLA team that is much improved in the running game and defensively as well has been very aggressive. And they've got a senior quarterback who's the same quarterback the Bulldogs beat three years ago when he was a freshman. So he's had plenty of time to season and improve himself since then. And just overall, uh, I mean, there's a, I don't know if they're as good as their number 13 ranking indicates, but there is a reason they're ranked there. And, uh, it's going to be a, a much more of a challenge for Fresno State for sure than last time. But I think the Bulldogs are up for it, and they've got the personnel to, to go toe-to-toe. Now, uh, this game being what it is, the Bulldogs are already getting attention from from the game that they had against Oregon and coming out and just annihilating Cal Poly. They're they're starting to themselves get some top twenty five votes and they're moving up steadily in the in the uh, uh, rankings and so where does that put the Bulldogs right now, Jackson? I know you've been following it a little bit closer. Uh, you know, are the Bulldogs getting close to that top twenty five? If they're able to pull one off against UCLA, that should catapult them into the top twenty five, right? I would sure think so, and. You know, the problem is that the Bulldogs are going to play so late. <laughs> the scheduled kickoff is at 7.45, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it took another 10 minutes or so to, to kick it off after that. There's some 
a game before the Bulldogs uh, on the Pac-12 network, and uh, you know it always seems to be the case. But uh, the final score is going to be kind of what voters see when they wake up and, and base their votes off of that. And the Fresno State wins. I think it's going to be regardless of the score enough to, to push them in there. Uh, they received seven votes in the coaches' poll just simply for losing to, to Oregon and keeping it as close as they did. And then uh, this past week, they moved up to 13 votes, which, you know, isn't a, a whole lot, but it puts the Bulldogs number 41 out of all the schools getting votes, uh, 16 spots out of the top 25. So if you beat the number 13 team, you've got two blowouts, and your only loss is to the number four team by a touchdown. I mean, that's a top 25 resume in my mind, and I think uh, a lot of voters will agree. Uh, the Bulldogs haven't got as much love in the uh, AP poll, but... Again, uh, I think people are aware that the Bulldogs kept it close to the Ducks, and if they do knock off the number 13 UCLA, uh, that should be enough to, to get enough votes, I think, to, to crack the top 25 at least. I think they'd be deserving of maybe a top 20 spot, but I don't know if uh, the voters will, will do that or not. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one, but uh, I I personally think that if they do knock off UCLA, they should crack the top twenty five or be just outside of it um, to to be able to get in. And the way that the season is scheduled for the Bulldogs this season uh, could mean that they could steadily, you know, rise through the rankings in the top twenty five if they can pull off a victory against UCLA this in this up- upcoming weekend. Um, same thing, same thoughts, Jackson, if they're not going to be in the top 25, they've got a roadmap to, to just soar through for the next few games, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they'll come home after UCLA and play UNLV, which would be probably another blowout style victory. And then, uh, they've got a Hawaii on the road, a bye at Wyoming. Those are two games that should be fairly competitive, but you would expect the Bulldogs to win those games. And then, uh, then it gets interesting because Nevada's going to come to Bulldog Stadium and if they're undefeated, which is very realistic that they could be, that's probably a top 25 team as well. They've got a few more votes than the Bulldogs. So that could be a, a real big Mountain West matchup. Then the Bulldogs go to San Diego State and Boise State. So those three games are going to be ones that Fresno State can really increase their stock if they keep rolling. And then, of course, the San Jose State game on Thanksgiving might be uh, uh, quite a matchup if the Spartans are anything close to what they were last year. So um, it's going to be a little quiet. I think the next couple of weeks, uh, they've got a UNLV game they're sitting in, and then they have the road for two weeks with the buy in between. So uh, we're going to have to wait a little patiently for the Bulldogs to get back to Bulldog Stadium for that big Nevada game. But it should set them up nicely to, to make that a big game. Now, before we start, you know, counting our chickens before the eggs are hatched, uh, because they. The game, you still need to play the game. Uh, so right now, on paper, it looks like UCLA has the edge. However, the Bulldogs have shown that they can they can hang with anybody on a good day. So, you know, depending on what kind of a day the Bulldogs are having, it, it could be a very interesting game, to say the least. So offensively, the Bulldogs match up against the UCLA defense. How do you see this one going after studying both teams? Yeah, this is going to be a really intriguing matchup because um, UCLA is a team that's going to send a pretty heavy pressure uh, play in and play out. Uh, they like to blitz. They like to have a, a constant pressure each play. 
they are in a bit of a four-two-five hybrid defense, so they can do a few different things and attack you from some different areas. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to two things. Uh, can the O-line give Jake Hayner enough time to throw? And can UCLA's defensive backs cover <laughs> State's receivers in man-to-man coverage one-on-one? And you kind of, uh, well, I mean, you certainly like Fresno State's odds to get open against just about anyone. Uh, but uh, the idea of protecting Hayner enough to make that happen is something you don't know if they're going to be able to do. The, the Bulldogs have looked a lot better on the O-line. They gave up no sacks to UConn. They gave up only one uh, with the backups in against Cal Poly. And even against Oregon's uh, very, very good defense, the Bulldogs gave up four, which is much less than they did in some games last year in 2020. They gave up 24 sacks, six games. So those are going to be the two battles, uh, the Bulldogs O-line versus uh, UCLA's pressure, and then the Bulldogs receivers versus uh, UCLA's defensive backs and you trust that the thing in between with Painter and uh, keeping upright and getting the ball downfield is going to be the one thing you're, you're pretty confident about. Um, but yeah, we'll see how the others pan out. Uh, UCLA just really caused problems for LSU with the line of scrimmage, and that's an SEC offensive line. So that's going to be the, the biggest challenge uh, for the Bulldogs. And uh, I think we saw even at Oregon, when Fresno State had to get a little creative with the passing game and not a lot in the run and worrying about the pressures, they still move the ball pretty consistently. So I do like the Bulldogs to be able to go blow for blow here. Yeah, so it should be uh, it should be fun to watch this one. It could be one of those where it, it could turn into a kind of a stalemate for a little while until these teams can kind of figure each other out uh, uh, against these two squads. Um, and I don't know, Jackson. Do you feel the same on the rev- uh, flip side of the coin? Fresno, flip side of the coin. Fresno State's defense versus UCLA's offense. Well, how how do you see that one going? Oh, now I want some Fresno State sweet corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now I put now I put that in your head. You know, I was thinking I was thinking Fresno State corn, corn too, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, let's back that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, their defense versus the UCLA's offense. How do you see that one kind of shaking out? Yeah, this, I mean, this is a really intriguing game because the defensive side is just as curious because the Bulldogs have been really, really good against the run this year, and that includes against Oregon. I mean, the Ducks uh, had a, I mean, they had a couple of moments, but for the most part, the Bulldogs kept the running game in check, and they made some critical third and fourth and short downs, uh, short stops. And those are some, I mean, that's an Oregon running game that, I mean, had its way with Ohio State last weekend, too. So um, the Bulldogs, I mean, they, they proved have proven themselves well through three games, but UCLA does have uh, some rushing attack that looks to be a little bit different. Um, you just take one look at the stats, and it's pretty impressive. Their running back that they brought in as a transfer from Michigan uh, he's got 17 carries for 223 yards and four touchdowns, 13 yards per carry. Uh, talking about um, Zach Charbonnet, I mean, oh my gosh, those numbers are ridiculous. Uh, you looked at Hawaii, a, a Mountain West program, he ran the ball six times for 106 yards and three touchdowns in that game. And then against LSU and SEC defense, 11 times for 117 yards and a touchdown. And he's not even their only running back. Their other back, 
um, Britton Brown, he's actually ran the ball almost double. Uh, he's got 30 carries for 174 yards. Uh, so this is a UCLA offense that it's Chip Kelly, and they're going to spread you out, but it's very, very focused on the running game. And they've also got a quarterback who is very quick, uh, light on his feet. They, he really hasn't run the ball a whole lot this, this season, but that's kind of the the thing you worry about when you're, you're at Fresno State, when you're, you've already got to put extra attention on the running game. You've got to play a great game against some of their receiving targets. And then you've got this other deal where the quarterback can take off and run. And that's kind of seems to be the thing that, you know, when you have an offense that's that well-rounded, that can, can hurt you. We saw it against Oregon where, you know, the Bulldogs were stopping just about everything and their quarterback took off to that big game-winning score. So uh, the Bulldogs do have to keep uh, check on Dorian Thompson-Robinson's running ability from the quarterback position. And the passing game kind of feels like an afterthought, but they have some, some pretty good targets there as well. Um, they've got a 5'11 receiver who's not very physically daunting, but is a very uh, explosive Kyle Phillips. He was uh, the only first-team All-Pac-12 player uh, in the preseason for the Bruins. Um, they've also got a tight end that is very productive in the receiving game. Uh, he's already got four catches for 132 yards, uh, Greg Dolchitz. So, they, I mean, they have weapons just about everywhere. But I think what this thing comes down to is can Fresno State stop this two-headed rushing attack that has been unstoppable in just two games, but no one has shown the recipe to stop them yet. And Fresno State has certainly proven in three games that they should be able to, but I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA is more successful on the ground than anyone that the Bulldogs have faced so far. Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, probably the Bulldogs' biggest challenge of the year. Uh, even I say even a bigger challenge than what they faced against Oregon uh, is going to be this UCLA offense. I believe um, it's I don't know. Am I am I looking at this wrong, Jackson, or or do you agree UCLA the, for the as far as their the the two offenses that the Bulldogs have faced, Oregon and UCLA, this one might be a little bit more dynamic as far as what could possibly happen? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Oregon is typically the dynamic offense uh, that you think of, but they really did try to dominate the line of scrimmage. That's kind of their, the, the way that the Ducks are now. It's still a spread offense, but it all starts at the line of scrimmage, and Fresno State really held their own. And now this UCLA offense is one that uh, they might have a, they have some more maybe unique weapons that are going to be tough to account for, and it's more about kind of scheme and being dynamic and explosive rather than just using muscle. So uh, that's going to be a, a little bit of a different challenge. And I think just across the board, Kalen DeBoer kind of mentioned earlier this week, the school pullback head coach, of course, that um, Oregon had the elite talent, the, the handful of guys that should probably be playing in the NFL right now. Uh, but UCLA is kind of more balanced. They, there's not really one guy you can just key in on. They've got weapons kind of across the board and maybe some lesser weaknesses perhaps. So uh, it's going to be a, a different challenge and, and one that's going to present uh, some difficulties for the Bulldogs in different areas. But at the same time, you don't have to worry about uh, Kayvon Thibodeau or, or any of those kind of super human <laughs> players that yeah. uh, you just can't match up with. Uh, the Bruins really don't have any of those guys, but they are a team that's a little faster, a little more fluid, and a little more balanced. And that is a different challenge in itself. 
Yeah, so it should be interesting to see how the Bulldogs' defense match up against uh, UCLA's offense. Uh, as long as the Bulldogs keep playing the way they've been playing these last three weeks, um, they definitely will, will give the Bulldogs a fighting chance to actually come out on top on this game uh, because the the backbone of, of what has been for Fresno State so far has been their defense in keeping the Bulldogs in games long enough for the offense to wake up <laughs> and when the offense wakes up then then it just it takes a lot of pressure off of this defense so they've been able to do that uh these last three games with the bulldogs slow starts and and the bulldogs are going into this game looking to change that and possibly come out quickly which would then take the pressure off of this defense so you know, it's going to be interesting to see just what kind of a game plan the Bullocks put in for UCLA. But I can tell you one thing, Jackson. Uh, if you think this is going to be a UCLA home game, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> there should be a lot of Bulldog fans headed to LA to the Rose Bowl. Uh, and if it's if any indications are from like last the last time the Bulldogs were there. Um, the Red Wave faithful tr- pretty much turned that into a home game, right, Jackson? Yeah, and and that's going to be um, something to watch here as well because uh, I mean UCLA fans <laughs> don't want to live in the reality where a Fresno State uh, in the the Mountain West, uh, not in LA, not in Pac-12, is an equal opponent, and so you have a lot of. I mean, it's not going to be the biggest draw for the Bruins, of course, at home. And the fans that are there, <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to think that a loss is possible. And as we saw three years ago, a lot of them left early and really you know, the red wave took over uh, even during the game, but surely by the end of it. Um, the, there may be a, a bigger presence this year. I mean, obviously UCLA is ranked number 13. And so they have more to cheer about right now than any time in recent history. Uh, so we'll see if they do come out to see them play the Bulldogs. Um, again, uh, I imagine the crowds are going to be bigger for Pac-12 play coming up soon. But uh, the, there is definitely a, a different excitement and a hype around that program. We saw in week zero against Hawaii, they announced 32,000 or, or 33,000 at the Rose Bowl. But there really looked like there might have been 5,000 people at that game. Uh, it was bizarre to see the Rose Bowl so empty. <laughs> and then against LSU, they announced almost 70,000 people. Clearly, number 16 LSU is going to draw more than the normal. But the main point is that they should be they should have a bigger crowd and a, a more excited crowd for Saturday than the Bulldogs saw a few years back. And um, I'm sure Fresno State's going to travel a similar amount. It looks like probably about 5,000 or so at least should be there. So same opportunity presents itself for Fresno State in the red wave, but there should be more blue and gold in the crowd and make it a little tougher. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be one of those where the the Bulldog faithful are going to want to travel because uh, you know, it's a top 10 team or or a top 25 team and the Bulldogs are heading in into that kind of a hostile environment they always love to show up for these pac 12 games um so i i expect to see a huge crowd there um although they they try to limit the uh bulldog fans from from the tickets that are sent this way they try to limit as many as they can to to be sold but 
you know how resourceful some of the fans are. They go online and buy tickets that are meant for UCLA fans um, <laughs> and, and, and fill up those spots. So um, things, things could definitely turn uh, that stadium into a, into a home game for the Bulldogs if the fans decide to show up. So if they decide to travel and, and do that one, uh, watch out, Jackson. It could, it could mean a whole different type of an atmosphere, to say the least, uh, for this upcoming matchup. And it should really make things <laughs> even more interesting uh, when the game starts uh, over there in, uh, at the Rose Bowl. But with that, Jackson, what, what are your overall thoughts? What, what are your keys on this game to look out for that could be the difference maker? Yeah, you know, when I, I saw this game or thought of this game on the schedule, you know, we weren't sure entirely how good this Fresno State team was going to be, but we thought they'd be a team that would be one of the Bulldogs' better teams in recent memory. And typically those teams have walked into the Rose Bowl and, and beaten some kind of average overrated UCLA teams. And uh, that's kind of what I was anticipating to see when this week came around and now that the Bruins have put on two really impressive performances and they are ranked number 13, uh, you know, it puts some doubt for sure and makes you wonder uh, what's going to happen in this game. I think it's a, about a, a toss-up in my mind. I think there's a very real possibility that UCLA is not nearly as good as number 13 indicates. I don't think LSU deserved to be ranked where they were. And um, a win over them is not nearly as impressive probably as it looks on paper. But it's the way that they did it on the field that, that really impressed me and some of the numbers that their weapons are putting up and the way that they've been physical at the line of scrimmage for a team that's really more about speed and finesse uh, has really impressed me. So for me, first and foremost, it's about Fresno State handling UCLA's aggressive defense. They've got to be able to move the ball more so with the passing game as they were able to, to survive and, and be successful with against Oregon. If they can do that, I think the offense goes toe to toe and keeps the Bulldogs in it either way. And then defensively, it's about stopping the running game for sure, which has been really Fresno State one of their strengths so far this season. But again, the, the, the two running backs UCLA have are really different kind of guys and and really tough to stop. And I could see them even if the Bulldogs handle the Bruins for most of this game, but these are guys that could break off a big run here and there, which Fresno State hasn't really had to, to deal with. They've, I mean, the Oregon scored on two touchdowns that were fairly long, but they weren't kind of home run 50-60 yard hits. The Bulldogs haven't given that up to anyone, so this might be a game where one of those slips through and they, they kind of have to recover from, but ultimately, uh, pass protection, run, run stopping. If Fresno State does those two things, uh, they could really take a, uh, run away from this one. But I, w- I would imagine it's somewhere in between where both teams are going to have some success. And it's really going to come down to who makes the plays at the end and who makes the least amount of mistakes over 60 minutes, which means no turnovers for the Bulldogs. Uh, you, you know, you see, even if it happens in the first quarter, it typically comes back to bite you by the end. So um, those three things, pass protection, run defense, playing clean, uh, as in no turnovers, if the Bulldogs do those three things, I think they win this one. And they may even do it by a couple of scores. But I assume uh, they're not going to pass all those with A's and 
that the Bruins are, are going to make this one uh, a nail biter for sure. Yeah, it's going to be uh, one of those where, you know, I hate close games, but this may end up being one of those uh, games where it just turns into a nail biter um, until somebody uh, shows their cards and breaks free. Um, but it, it it should be a an entertaining game to say the least, uh, which could help the Bulldogs, um, you know, catapult themselves up the rankings if they can pull off a win against uh, UCLA um, and set them up nicely uh, for Mountain West play as as we start gearing into uh, conference play. Things are starting to to kind of clarify themselves as to which teams in the Mountain West are for real and which ones are just for show, so to speak. Right, Jackson? Uh, <laughs> so it, it, from what it looks like from last week's matchups, Nevada is for real. Um, and then you've got other teams such as Hawaii who held their own against Oregon State for some of the, the matchup. And then Colorado State uh, taking on Vanderbilt and just barely losing against Vanderbilt. So from what you've been able to kind of see, who are the teams in the Mountain West that are for real and who are the ones that are just kind of for show? Yeah, uh, I think Nevada is certainly on that list. Um, they went to Cal in week one and won that game in a game where they fell behind 14-0, much like the Bulldogs did at Oregon. Uh, they were able to, to come back and, and win that one and not just do it with their offense, which are supposed to be you know, the best in the country, but defensively they held uh, Cal to just three points over the last three quarters. So uh, there's a chance that they're a little more well-rounded and they're going to go to Kansas State this weekend for another game that will kind of prove if, if they get two power five wins, they may not be Oregon or UCLA, but that's still a, a pretty impressive thing to do for any Mountain West team. Uh, San Diego State's off to a really good start. Uh, I mean, they looked <laughs> pretty bad in the first half against New Mexico State in week one, but they managed to get that win. And then, you know, I know Arizona's not, I mean, they're, they're probably one of the worst power five teams that are out there, but uh, they beat Arizona 38-14, to uh, same Arizona team that really played close against BYU in the opening weekend, BYU now being ranked, so... Um, those two teams have definitely made an impression early on. You've also got San Jose State, who had a bye last weekend. Uh, they had a, a blowout over an FCS team, and then they lost 30-7 to to USC, but it was a six-point game in the fourth quarter, so you've got to give them some credit for that. Um, Hawaii is a team that has taken its lumps against the Power Five, but uh, has shown a lot of offensive firepower, which should serve them well in the Mountain West. Uh, Air Force is off to a, a pretty good start. Um, Boise State, for, uh, I mean, they fell in a close one to UCF. They've got Oklahoma State this weekend at home, a chance for them to, to give themselves some some credit for what they've done this season. And uh, you've got New Mexico, who's 2-0. and They haven't played very good of opposition, but they're certainly a little more competent than in years past. Um I mean, those are kind of the ones that stand out to me. Air Force is two and zero. They haven't played a lot of great competition, but and they're they're not on the the schedule this year. But a team to watch in the Mountain Division, especially if Boise State's not as strong. So I think the um, the bulk of the conference has fared pretty well. Um, Utah State has surprised me. That might be 
a better team than I anticipated, but uh, not not a lot of uh, teams that make you think Fresno State's in danger of not competing for a conference championship. They should be able to go toe-to-toe with Nevada, San Diego State, Boise State, San Jose State. Those are going to be the four big ones in the second half of the schedule. Yeah, I definitely agree. I see uh, those uh, being the key uh, matchups for the Bulldogs um, and should be the teams that will be competing uh, to get into that uh, Mountain West uh, championship game. Um, but any you uh, here's an off the wall question Jackson do you see any team being a dark horse that may just come out of nowhere that nobody expects you know i think utah state is probably that team i mean they'd be a washington state team that's had a very tumultuous uh, off season with, with their whole deal with coach rolovich there um but at the same time, they were so bad last year. <laughs> I didn't think they would have much of a pulse this season. Uh, they did make a coaching change. Uh, they got some transfer portal guys, including Justin Rice, who was here at Fresno State just two seasons ago. Um, and so, I mean, they, again, it's not the teams that they beat, but it's the way they did it. Um, it looks like Blake Anderson has that team playing with a lot of energy and excitement and more firepower than I expected them to have. Um, I think that's, uh, I still don't see them coming close to winning the division. I think it's still going to be, it's going to have to be Boise State or, or Air Force or maybe Wyoming. Wyoming's got two close wins over not very impressive opponents. I'm not as excited about the Cowboys as many were in the preseason poll. But, and then in the West Division, you've got five teams that are all bowl contenders. So it's going to be tough for anyone to surprise. I think it would have to be Utah State if just the team comes out of nowhere. I think New Mexico could get to a bowl eligibility, but I don't think they're good enough to compete for a title. Yeah, as of right now, they're 2-0. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so they, they only need four more wins to become bowl eligible. So they're they're pretty close. Uh, uh, but uh, as, as I'm looking at this, I mean, you've got in the mountain, you've got four teams that are undefeated so far, Air Force, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming. Boise picked up a loss, and then you've got Colorado State, who is 0-2. Then on the West Division, uh, you've got two undefeated teams, Nevada and San Diego State, and then Fresno State at two and one, and then San Jose State at one and one, Hawaii at one and two, and UNLV at zero oh and two. Now, if if things hold true, UNLV is the one team that right now that uh, in the West Division that should be the easiest matchup for the Bulldogs, and that should be the next game coming up for the Bulldogs after this UCLA game, right? Yeah, so that gives you a little bit of cushion. <laughs> kind of win or lose, whatever mental standpoint the Bulldogs are in, that should be, uh, it should be another blowout victory, much like the last two home games have been. Um, but otherwise, we'll learn quite a bit about the conference this weekend. Uh, San Jose State as at Hawaii for their Mountain West openers. That should tell you a lot about both of those teams. Again, Nevada at Kansas State. Uh, Boise State is hosting Oklahoma State. Um, Air Force and Utah State are playing against one another for their Mountain West openers. San Diego State hosted Utah Utes. So there's there's a lot of games here that are going to tell us quite a bit about the teams in the conference because, you know, when usually after the first couple of weeks, you've got the majority of your games either being against FCS opponents or you're 
kind of money back games where you get, a lot of teams get blown out. So uh, we're starting to get to the point now where a lot of even teams are going to start to separate themselves. Most definitely. And and we're going to start doing our weekly coverage uh, spot uh, on what is happening around the Mountain West as we start entering into Mountain West Conference play, uh, just to keep an eye on uh, all the teams there. And, and we can give you updates on where everyone is in the standings and what the likely scenarios are going to be as to who can become bowl eligible, who's who's got the inside track for uh, being uh, the um, being the favorite to go into the Mountain West uh, Championship. And so we'll just keep an eye out for that as this season progresses. Um, Jackson, any other thoughts you have on this uh, Mountain West Conference? Um, yeah, that about covers it. I, I still think the West is real deep, and uh, there are a couple of mountain teams that are doing better than I anticipated, but... Um, you know, the conference is in a fairly good spot right now, and uh, there's a chance this week to really elevate the perception of it as well. Yeah, so things uh, things are are about to start to heat up for the Mountain West as, as conference play begins. Um, and, uh, well, of course, you know, injuries. You know, if the injuries start to happen, things can change in a hurry. And almost forgot to cover that, Jackson. Where are the Bulldogs at as far as injuries are concerned? We did see, um, you know, one player go down only to pop up right back in the middle of the game again <laughs> to catch a touchdown. So uh, where are we at on the injury front for the Bulldogs? Yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs have, again, knock on wood, they've been in a really good spot so far. I mean, they really came out of the preseason with no significant injuries. About the only player of note that has been slowed down has been Amore Edwards, who now made his debut last weekend against Cal Poly and should continue to work his way into the receiver rotation. So uh, the Bulldogs have been really good in that area. Um, the only guy that was a little bit of a surprise was Matt Smith, the center. Uh, he did not suit up against um, Cal Poly last weekend. That one was kind of came out of nowhere in terms of uh, it wasn't a, a point against Oregon where he left the game or anything. And it looks like he's going to remain out against UCLA and, and maybe miss a little more time. So the Bulldogs are toying a bit with the interior line, uh, trying to do their best to overcome that. Uh, and, and that seems to be the the one major issue the Bulldogs have faced. Um, otherwise, they've been pretty clean. Uh, Leonard Payne got banged up against Oregon, and he didn't play as much against Cal Poly, but still played quite a bit. So... I mean, the Bulldogs go into UCLA very healthy. And again, this is a very deep Fresno State team, thanks to the super seniors. So there's a lot of positions they can afford some injuries, but thankfully they haven't had to worry about that yet. Yeah, it's going to uh, be a good thing for the Bulldogs if they they can stay healthy while other teams start to get dinged up, uh, may work in the Bulldogs' favor, uh, simply because they're just right now on offense, they've got a lot of depth at just about every position on the field, which could bode well for the Bulldogs uh, heading into conference play. Um, But, 
yeah, only time will tell. And like you said, knock on wood, I'm sitting here knocking on my desk to make sure things don't happen. <laughs> and I just freaked out my dogs. You, you hear that? that? That's all it takes. It's just me knocking on my desk. So <laughs> as they make their guest, their guest appearance on the podcast. Uh, but that being said, Jackson, uh, tell us what's going on with the bark board itself as we head into this uh, matchup this weekend. Yeah, of course, we've got a lot of coverage um, for this game coming up against UCLA, a big one. So we've got a lot of stories coming out this week, uh, both for me and on the premium side. Uh, since the game kicks off so late, uh, we're going to try to have some Saturday morning uh, stories as well. So uh, we don't leave you hanging all day Saturday <laughs> waiting for the game. I have some reading material for you <laughs> that uh, wasn't necessarily of import with uh, some 11 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> a yeah. lot of fans were getting out of bed and driving straight to the stadium or turning the TV on. So uh, we'll have a little more preview stuff to, to go over on Saturday morning. But you know, otherwise, um, yeah, just a lot of coverage, uh, football and recruiting-wise. And um, so keeping track of what else is going on nationally, a USC fired Clay Helton yeah. <laughs> real early this season. And you know, the Bulldogs play them in week three next season. So uh, definitely going to be keeping an eye. I'm sure whoever the Trojans hire is going to have a big name and they'll be right smack dab on Fresno State's schedule next season. And it'll be after Fresno State hosts Cal Poly and Oregon State to start the 2022 season. So there's a chance Fresno State could go into that game with some momentum. But obviously a long ways out. But uh, we've got you covered from all angles uh, going into this week's matchup. And uh, we'll continue to do so. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, we've got a lot going on uh at the bark board, so stay tuned as we get you know continue to dig into stuff and and get you all the latest coverage. I, I'm just thinking, Jackson. You think they, they might want to have hire Kiffin back over at, at USC? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny though. The last three head coaches uh, before Helton were all fired during the middle of the season, and they're all head coaches in the SEC. <laughs> so. I mean, it's hard to fault some of those individuals, but the Trojans uh, since uh, clearly thought none of those guys have lived up to their um, their expectations there. So we'll see what kind of home run they swing for on this one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they if they're going to go swing for the fences on a big name, or if they're going to try and um, and pull somebody from uh, from somebody else's ranks and and bring them along uh, as the new as the new shiny toy for co- head coaches uh, across the nation. Uh, because that tends to happen a lot, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. More times than not, it doesn't. <laughs> but but we'll see what the USC tries to come up with, as they they do need to. They, they probably are going to pursue a big name just to put seats in butt uh, butts in seats, <laughs> seats in butts. That'd be interesting. Um, but it, they're they should more than likely go after somebody. Uh, with a big name, just to, to to draw the crowd back, so to speak, right, Jackson? Yeah, and just to give kind of some confidence there, they've poured they've poured in a ton of resources into that program to the point where losing even to a Stanford is is not acceptable for them right now. So uh, they've got all the infrastructure in place for success if they can find the right coach and. You assume they're going to try to find someone with one of the biggest names. I mean, Urban Meyer keeps getting thrown out there. I would be surprised if he left Jacksonville that early. But something along those lines is, is probably going to be the kind of star power you're going to see on the sideline against Fresno State next year. And 
you hope maybe whoever they hire makes a, a bit of a transition because I mean USC is typically good, but the the teams that Fresno State has crossed paths with the last few years have been especially good and, and a little more challenging than you know some others. We talked about UCLA being down the last couple of times. Fresno State went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, if the Bulldogs could catch a a transitioning USC team, they might finally get out of the Coliseum with a win. Yeah. <laughs> It should uh, it should be interesting. I, I'm already I, I'm already chomping at the bit for next season, <laughs> and we haven't even finished <laughs> this one. Um, but that being said, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap wrap up the show. Any final thoughts, Jackson? Yeah, that about covers it. Uh, we'll see what happens with UCLA and see uh, if we're covering a uh, Bulldog team that initially top twenty five or would be unfortunately two and two, which would not be a fair indication. <laughs> of how good this team is. So, I mean, a whole lot is riding on this one. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting uh, for for everyone. So if you're listening to this as you're traveling down to uh, the Rose Bowl, um, drive safe. So, But that being said, if you want to find Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And if haven't done so already head over to our facebook page and like it uh, we've got a fan base of five thousand or more growing uh, on facebook and as always head over to the barkboard.com for all your latest news and coverage on fresno state uh with that being said i want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of fresno state athletics <laughs>